Okay, we want to continue our study of the book of Colossians. We're going to be in chapters 3, verses 1 through 4, talking about the risen life. Uh, I want to talk to you for just a minute, to those of you who are involved in children's ministries in particular. Uh, maybe you're in Awana, maybe you're in children's church or Sunday school. I want to encourage you in the area of scripture memorization. I was in the fourth or fifth grade, and I memorized these four verses. Every morning we stood by our desk, and our teacher, Mr. Tartar, would uh, have us recite this together. And I have not forgotten it. I was able to recite it verbatim last night with, to my sister over the telephone. We were talking about our, our heritage and our background. These verses have stuck with me for 60 years. I couldn't forget them if I wanted to. They're there. They're imprinted on my mind. Hopefully they're also imprinted on my soul. But these verses have a way of connecting with uh, our lives and helping us to live the way we should live as we grow older, reminding us of how we should live as we grow older. So I want to encourage you with that. And those of you who are involved in those ministries, thank you so much. You know, I thank you for your ministry to the children of this church. I thank you for your ministry to my grandkids. Um, you are playing an important role in their lives, so uh, keep it up. Keep it up. We just sang a song about, I see a generation rising up to take their place. And I thought of that. I thought about these four boys seated behind me singing praise to the Lord. I thought about the girls over here singing praise to the Lord. I see a generation rising up to take their place. And God will do that. When you and I are long gone, the work of God will continue in this world unless the Lord returns for us in the meantime. And uh, he'll see to that. Sometimes nations go through a time of spiritual drought where the gospel is kind of locked up for a while like Cuba, but it doesn't stay locked up. God has a way of... uh, breaking those things out and uh, people coming to faith in Christ. So hang in there. Hang in there. The risen life. Colossians 3, 1 through 4. Would you read this with me from the screen? Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. A number of weeks ago, we talked about our union with Jesus Christ, and we talked about John 15, where Jesus said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. And what's the secret of bearing fruit for the Lord? Drawing life from him. If you abide in me, if you draw life for me, uh, and we have found that uh, the issue is our union with Christ and fellowship with him. Today, because of our union with Christ, we have a new life, according to Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. Some translation says, if you then be risen with Christ, and the word if is a preposition, and in the Greek language in which the New Testament was written, that is an is an imprecise preposition. Sometimes it can mean if, sometimes it can mean since. And in the context of these verses, it means, well, since you have been risen with Christ, uh, seek those things which are above. 
And he says, you've been given the gift of eternal life. Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is what? Eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And this whole idea of eternal life is not a reference to going to heaven when we die by and by. It's a new life that we receive the moment we put our trust in Jesus Christ as our Savior. We come alive spiritually. And that is a life which lasts for eternity. 1 John 5, 11 and 12 says, And this is the record that God has given to us eternal life. And this life is where? In His Son. He who has the Son has life. He who has not the Son of God does not have life. And uh, God has given us eternal life, and this life is found in His Son. When we have a relationship with the Lord through faith, we have spiritual life, and there will be evidence of that. This verse also talks about the fact that if you, since you've been risen with Christ, it's a reference to a spiritual resurrection. Um, we've been raised up with him. Romans 6.4 says, We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead, through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Now some people think this is a wet verse. By that it's referring to water baptism. My own personal feeling is it's not. It's a dry verse. He's not talking about water baptism. He's talking about being placed into Christ. He's talking about our identity with Christ. And the reason, one of the reasons why I believe that is uh, a reference in Scripture um, in Corinthians where Paul talks about people being baptized into Moses. The Israelites were baptized into Moses uh, as they went through the Red Sea. They were identified with him. And that is, that is another use of that term in Scripture. We need to understand that it's not always talking about water baptism being placed into water. Sometimes it's about identity with Christ being placed into Christ uh, for our identity before God. And uh, obviously there's a spiritual resurrection that has happened. Uh, and it happened to the Colossians. He's reminding them of that. There was a time, he said, when you identified with Christ. And because of that, seek the things that are above. We'll talk about that in a moment, not on things on the earth. And even as Christ was raised from the dead, we have been raised that we may live a new life. A new life. That we can live, in some translations say, in newness of life. We don't have to live the old life anymore. God, through our spiritual connection with Jesus Christ, has given us the ability to live a new life. We do not have to live our lives dominated by sin and by our old programming. We can live our lives in Christ and live out our union with Him. So the risen life is possible because of our union with Jesus Christ. Also, because of our union with Christ, we have something else new. We have a new focus, a new focus in our lives. And then he says, since you've been raised up with Christ, set your hearts or your affections on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. 
set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Uh, we have a new focus. Verse 2, set your minds on things above where Christ is seated. The word seek there means continually keep on seeking in the Greek of the New Testament. Make that your habit of life. They make that the focus of your life. That every day you seek that which is eternal, not just that which is earthly. Keep your focus on heavenly values. Dwight L. Moody, a great preacher who was the founder of Moody Bible Institute in Chicago, once said, some people are, are so heavenly minded, they're of no earthly good. Quite frankly, I have not met too many of those people. One of our problems in our present day is we're too earthly minded. We're so focused on the day-to-day, -day and, and we're so focused on, on work and trying to get through the week and trying to raise our kids and trying to deal with debt and trying to deal with all the issues that come with life that the eternal things kind of get shoved to the side. Do you have that struggle, or am I alone in that? I don't think I'm alone in it. Um, Romans 12, 1 and 2. How do we do that? How do we set our minds on things above? Paul wrote to the Romans and said, uh, I beseech you, brothers, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable worship, or literally your reasonable service or act of worship. And then he says this, And be ye transformed, changed. How? By the renewing of your mind. We are changed. Our minds are changed. Our minds are transformed. We are reprogrammed in terms of our thinking by the Word of God as we focus upon it as a Christian. Someone who is a professing Christian who never spends time in the Word will not be transformed very quickly. Transformation is the result of time spent with God in His Word and the applying truth to our lives. Our minds need to be renewed. Why? Because when we came to faith in Christ, our minds were programmed to think only about earthly stuff and to have affection only for earthly things and what we can gain in life and the things that we can acquire. And uh, the Lord says, no, you need to shift your thinking. How do you do it? by your mind being renewed. He says, set your minds on things above. Continually keep seeking them. Focus on heavenly values. And then he says this, set your affections on things above. It's kind of interesting to think about that. Your affections. What affects what you love. Well, primarily what you think about. Set your minds on it and your affections will follow. If you focus only on things of earthly value, that's what you will love, that's what you will value. But if you will allow God to transform your mind, you'll begin to focus less on the earthly stuff and more on things of eternal value. Where your mind goes, your affections will follow. 
What you continually think about will become the object of your affection. Before we came, became followers of Jesus, our minds and affections were focused on earthly things. When we were united to him by faith, we began to focus on eternal things. Things of eternal value. What do I mean by that? Well, how about giving to the Lord? Uh, we come to a point in our lives where we give to the Lord. Why? Because we value what he values. Uh, we value the local church. We value missions. We value the fact that we can help send people to parts of the world with the gospel where we can't go. That becomes a great value to us, and so we begin to invest in eternity rather than just the earthly. Um, your oikos, people in your relational world who uh, don't know the Lord. You invest time in them. You make time to spend with them. Why? Because you value their souls. You value the fact that you want to take them to heaven with you someday. So we begin to look beyond now to eternity. Someone says, well, you can't take it with you. That's true. Someone else said, I've never seen a, a hearse pull in a U-Haul. I was thinking about that this morning, and I, I wrote this down in my notes. We can't take our money with us when we die, so we send it on ahead by investing our finances in those things which have eternal value. We look beyond now to eternity. Why? Because he says you are dead. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, If any man be in Christ, united with Christ, he is a what? A new creation. The old has gone, and the new has come. The old person we were is no longer there. We are new, and our lives are new. He's obviously, when he says you are dead, he's not talking about physical death. At least most of us are still upright. And I don't think he's talking about spiritual death in the sense of being separated from God. He's talking about... Uh, dead by to the old life which dominated us. We were dominated by sin and by our old programming. And the idea is that when Jesus died for our sins, he made it possible for us to die to sin and the influence of this world. Galatians 2.20 I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, in this body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. This whole analogy of death, life, resurrection, death to the old life, 
birth into the new life uh, is very much repeated by the Apostle Paul and used a number of passages as he wrote them. And he says this, you're not only dead, but he says your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Um, the idea, first of all, is being hidden, and I'll talk a little bit more about that in a moment. Your life is where Jesus is. In other words, he's the source of it. He's the one that gives you the life and the ability to live the new life. And I think there's some things involved with that. First is the idea of security and satisfaction. Because my life is hidden with Christ in God, there's that sense of security in my life. I don't have to live a life full of care and anxiety uh, because my life is hidden with Christ in God. There's also the issue of satisfaction. You know, I really don't need a whole lot more in my life because I have Jesus. Some of the greatest Christians in history have been people who had very, very little by this world's standards. We would probably call them homeless people. Um, they lived in countries um, where most people around them camped. They lived in tents. They lived in little lean-tos that they could, they could create out of brush and so on and so forth. But they were rich spiritually. They were wealthy people in their spirit. And they took the gospel to the world. Because they found in Christ satisfaction. John D. Rockefeller was once asked, Mr. Rockefeller, how much money is enough? In case you don't know who John D. Rockefeller was, some of you younger generation may not know, he was one of the richest men in the world. He's one of the men who built this nation in terms of, of industry. And uh, he said, just a little bit more than I have. He was never satisfied with what he had. He was always grasping for more. Because our new life is hidden with Christ in God, we have security and satisfaction. We also have a new source of motives and strength. Uh, what motivates you to get up and go on every day? Is it the responsibilities? Well, that's not a bad thing. Most of us have responsibilities. We feel like we need to be at our jobs. We need to do the best we can for the glory of God. And that's very ad admirable. But again, the primary motive is because we have a new life. And because we know that our life is hidden with Christ and God. And we have a source of strength. Also, because of our union with Christ, we not only have a new life and have a new focus, but we have a bright future. This passage talks about this. It says this, When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. The Lord's coming back, folks. He promised he would. 
and he will. And we can spend all day debating when. Uh, we can spend all day discussing prophecy and one thing and another and try to figure all that out. Don't waste your time trying to figure it all out in terms of when he's going to return. Because Jesus said, no man knows the hour. So good luck. Just as soon as you write a book and publish it, you're going to be wrong. And a lot of people have found that out the hard way, right, Jerry? They have uh, written books and predicted when the Lord was going to return, and guess what? We're still here. Colossians 3, 4. When Christ, who is your life, appears or is revealed, then you will also appear with him in glory. Titus 2, verses 11 through 13 talk about this. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope. What is the blessed hope? The glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. That is our hope. That is our focus. While we wait, it has the idea of wait with expectation that the Lord is going to return. We have a bright future. First Thessalonians 4 says, Brothers, we do not want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep or those who have died, or to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. We believe that Jesus died and rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. When the Lord returns, he's going to bring back my dad and my mom, uh, my grandparents. If I'm still alive, that's what's going to happen. If I'm gone, I'll come back with him. According to the Lord's own word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left till the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have died. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. There will be a bodily resurrection. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord, how long? Forever. Therefore, encourage each other with these words. It sounds to me like we have a bright future. Whether we're living when the Lord returns or whether we've already died, we have a bright future. We will be with the Lord forever. Philippians 3, 20 and 21, Paul says, But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there. Amen. The Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Your body falling apart? Well, you have a bright future because God's going to give you a new one someday. I'm looking forward to that. I'll be able to play ball again. By the way, I played golf a couple of weeks ago. And the first time in over two years. And I almost felt like a resurrection. 
felt good to get out and breathe fresh air. And unfortunately, Jerry wasn't along, so I couldn't beat him. But anyway, the issue is this. The day is coming, folks, when we're going to be changed. We're going to be changed. 1 Corinthians 15 talks about that. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep or die, but we will all be changed. In a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. And when that happens, to paraphrase it, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? Wow. We're going to be changed. What are we going to be like? Well, First John 3, 2. John says, Dear friends, now we are children of God. And what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when he appears, we'll be like him. For we shall see him as he is. When Jesus appeared to his disciples in the upper room after his resurrection, his physical body had been changed. He was able to appear to them, and he was there. Came back again when Thomas was there and appeared to him again. And he had a physical body because Thomas could reach out and put his hand and finger in the nail prints. And it was still Jesus, but he had been changed. We will have bodies that will not break down and not grow old and will not die because we will be changed and have a body like that of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, Because of our union with Christ, we have a new life. Are you living the life that the Lord has given to you and intended you to live? Because of our union with Christ, we also have a new focus. Or at least we should... What are you spending your time thinking about? What are you spending your time focusing on? I know you've got to work, worry about getting the kids to school on time and, and paying your bills. I know, I understand those things. That's part of being a human. But how about your, what the things that you really, really love, the things that are really of great value to you? Are they eternal or are they just earthly? The Lord says we need to set our affections on things above, not on things on the earth. And then because of our union with Christ, we have a bright future. I want to encourage you with that. I have had to deal with my own mortality a great deal in the last two and a half years. You know, there are days I don't even think about it. There are days when it never even crosses my mind that I have cancer. But 
know that the Lord's going to take me home one day. The bottom line is he may take you home before he takes me. That's an encouraging thought, isn't it? But it's a reality. Like someone said, if you live long enough, something will kill you. It's true. Uh, we live in a world where there is disease and there is death and there are all these things. But so what? As believers, to be absent from the body is to be what? Present with the Lord. Paul wrote, to depart to be with Christ is better by far. So whether you have been diagnosed with something or whether you haven't, this life will not last forever. But as a follower of Jesus Christ, and someone has put your trust in Christ, and you have received spiritual life from Him, you have a bright future. Amen? Lord, thank you for that bright future. And thank you that as we wait for your return, you've given us a new life to live. Help us, Lord, to live it this week as we interact with people where we work, people in our neighborhood, people where our kids go to school. Lord, I pray that they might see the reality of Jesus Christ and the way we live our lives. And Lord, help us to focus on things of eternal value and not be so uh, locked into earthly things that uh, we ignore the eternal. Help us, Lord, to uh, put our lives where we say our beliefs are and help us, Lord, to give generously to your eternal work. And Lord, help us to invest our time and energy in people because they're the only things that we can take to heaven with us. Lord, may your Holy Spirit remind us this week of what we've learned today. In Christ's name, amen.